We'll start in Ottawa tonight, though. Retired Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour released a scathing report on the Canadian Armed Forces' resistance to change despite decades of scandals, criticism, and broken promises about sexual assault in its ranks. She makes 48 recommendations, saying all along it's long past time for the military to scrap traditions and structures that perpetuate a sexualized culture. Here's Arbour. Meaningful change will rest on the political will and the determination of civilians who oversee the Canadian Armed Forces. Still, it will not happen without the support of CAF leaders and ultimately without the goodwill of all its members who are every day entrusted with the duty to protect our country and who do so on our behalf. Louise Arbour there on her 48 recommendations and 400-page report. She recommends changes to how the CAF recruits, trains, and promotes members on how to on sexual discrimination and harassment and assault cases are reported, um, monitored and handled. Rather, changes to how sexual discrimination, harassment, and assault cases are reported, monitored, and handled. Well, Defense Minister Anita Anand was there today. Of course, uh, she says they're moving quickly on 17 of the recommendations. Studying the rest, she says, unlike similar previous reports, this one will not sit on a shelf. In this moment in time, when the world appears to be growing darker, we must grab the bull by the horns and make these changes now. Now, here's one case that summarizes a lot of this. Annalise Shamoun is a former captain in the Canadian Forces. Her husband, Kevin, is a retired Special Forces major. In 2017, a former colleague of her husband's and family friend was convicted in civilian court on six criminal counts, including sexual assault against Annalise, after twice unlawfully entering the couple's home and assaulting her. But during sentencing, his superiors provided character references to him, despite the conviction and the severity of the crime. And the couple says they were offered very little to no support. Annalise uh, Shamoon joins me now. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Ben. For listeners who may not be familiar with with your story, uh, in many ways, it kind of encapsulates the issue, um, both both the crime itself and, and then the response from leadership afterwards. Yeah, that's right. It was important for me to tell my story because, um, because of that. Um, there has been many other people affected by sexual assault and sexual harassment in the military, but um, there was just the, something about the way that my story was handled, my case was handled, that really um, it illustrated that it's not just a few bad apples and it's not also um, just a women's issue because this affected both my husband and I. Like we, we both went through um, that sense of institutional betrayal. And so I wanted to really be able to illustrate how, you know, it's not, it's not just those few bad apples, but it's that entire culture and the leadership and the, the structure, the system around it that enables it to keep on happening and also makes the experience so much worse after the fact. Tell me about that, because in this case, this was a friend of yours. This was a comrade of your husband's who was convicted in this case of sexual assault. And then after that, during his sentencing, he was receiving um, letters of, uh, you know, not letters of accommodation, but letters of reference from, from leadership. Um, that must have been a huge betrayal to both you and your husband. Yeah, absolutely. And I had been out of the military for a number of years by the time he was convicted, but my husband was still serving. And it was within his own chain of command that this person was um, 
was supported instead of us and also my husband's regiment, which, you know, I'm considered part of the regimental family. And so in that sense, like our family chose to support someone else who had hurt us instead of hurting, instead of supporting us. And when you look back at it, what was, what was the problem? Was it, was it a culture thing? Really? Was it this inability to take what had happened to you and so many others seriously? Yeah, um, that's a, such a great question. I think it was so uncomfortable to think about what had happened. And I mean, no story is ever as black and white as we want to think. And there's different versions of the story. And when the chain of command or when other people aren't curious to find out what really happened, they take the the point of view um, or the version that was told to them by the person closest to them, then they really risk uh, injuring a party that's already been injured. And so I think inability to think about the situation in a nuanced way, um, an inability to look deeper at the situation, and just like an overall discomfort um, with the topic itself. Today, it's it's it, Justice Arbor released her report, um, one that we've been waiting for for quite a while. It's not the first of these reports, obviously. Did you hear what you wanted to hear today from her? Um, I did. Like the report, uh, well, I haven't gone through it in detail. The recommendations are very solid. Um, and they're in line with conversations that we've been having for a long time. And they're in line with recommendations that other militaries around the world have made and have even been made by previous reports. So in that sense, they're, it's not new. It is very solid. I think what's new here today is that sense that it's actually going to be acted upon. There is that accountability piece where the military is held accountable by civilian oversight, by the government, and we as citizens can hold our government accountable to make sure that this happens. And also the leaders that we have in place right now, you can you can see like they're passionate about making sure this happens. So between the accountability and I mean, the external oversight monitoring accountability, but also just the personal accountability that our most senior leaders have. I think this is going to be different. When you look at the at how much Justice Arbor talked about the culture within the military, the hierarchical structure of it, mm-hmm. for instance, um, did that resonate with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we we see like throughout our society that there's issues with abuse of power and misogyny and sexism. But when there's a hierarchical organization and there's just like that power differential, the abuses can be that much more egregious and people can get away with it longer and longer. Whereas in a flatter structured organization or in a, in a more informal structure, there isn't the same ability to abuse power over other people. Um, what would you like to see done? I mean, a lot of these recommendations, uh, the government's already promised to enact 17 already. They're going to look at the other 48. Um, do you get the impression that this time around, and we heard from the defense minister today, that there is a real commitment from that, and you've mentioned it from the civilian oversight, and you think that will have an impact, that this large ship is going to turn? Yeah, absolutely. Um, these 
are structural changes for the most part, um, which are needed in order to support the cultural changes and like the how do we do things day to day and what language do we use and some of the other pieces that have been coming out around dress regulations um, that are already happening. And so this isn't enough. These, these structural pieces, the systemic pieces aren't enough to turn the ship, but it's an important um, support for the other initiatives. I'm speaking with Annalise Shamoon. She's a military sexual assault survivor now involved in leadership coaching and culture change as well, a former army captain. Um, we've been talking about uh, the recommendations made today by Madam Justice Louise Arbour uh, to tackle uh, military sexual assault. She's made 48 recommendations, uh, a lot of them about scrapping traditions that have perpetuated a sexualized culture within the military, uh, really asking for a full-on culture change as well as several specific recommendations about how to make that happen. After this, we'll talk a bit more just about what needs to be seen early on to make sure that this is headed in the right direction, that this isn't another report that will simply be uh, nodded and agreed to, then tucked away and ignored. That's after this. Speaking with Annalise Shamoon, she's a former uh, captain in the Canadian Forces in the Army. Her husband is also a former Special Forces major. Um, she is a military sexual assault survivor, now involved in leadership coaching and culture change. We're talking about the report released today by Madam Justice Arbour uh, to tackle uh, military sexual assault and all that surrounds it. Uh, 48 recommendations made today, a very scathing report in many ways. Uh, the Defence Minister Anita Anand has already said that uh, her department will work on making sure that all these recommendations, or most of them are implemented, implemented quickly. Uh, Annalise, where, where, do, where do you begin? Uh, you know, there are a lot of recommendations made today about transferring all sexual assault cases to civilian courts. Yours was, in fact, handled uh, by a civilian court. Um, you know, there were other recommendations made around the way uh, military members are taught, the way that they're, you know, the way language is used within the military. Where do you think we have to begin to see these changes happen quickly? I mean, I think at, at all levels, um, what I think about the most is um, when I entered into the military, I learned the culture and it wasn't through PowerPoints. It wasn't through formal training. Like no one ever said, if you do this job, you're less valuable than people who do this other job. But that somehow was taught to us. And um, and it was through the culture. It's through the way we treat people differently and the way that we value people differently, the way we define what leadership is and the, and the people who get the opportunity to um, have leadership roles over other people who might not lead in as aggressive of a way. And so there was no PowerPoint that said you have to behave this way, but the culture taught us that certain things were more acceptable or more valuable than others. And that's something that I'm really excited to see change. Yeah, you refer to it as a culture of denial, deflection, and blaming the victim. Uh, tell me about that. How, how did that work? Um, I think that it's tough for people who... I'm going to use the word privilege here, which is like not very um, popular word, but I think that some of some of us have advantages that other people don't have. And that's just another way of saying privilege. And so for the people who don't suffer from these disadvantages, it's hard for them to understand that other people do and to um, to sort of make space for that and to say, well, I've worked hard too. Like, like you've worked hard, I've worked hard, we've all worked hard without truly understanding that some people are at um, at a systemic or a structural disadvantage. And so I think that's where a lot of the denial comes from. It's not um, it's not 
true denial in the overt sense, as much as just like not being aware that the experience of being in the military is different depending on your background or demographic factors. Are you disappointed that that given the number of reports that have been written and released, even since your time in the military, that the institution itself has never been able to find an answer to this problem, considering it was aware of what was going on to, to a fairly great extent long before Justice Arbor ever pointed out anything out? Um, objectively, it's disappointing, but I mean, I was in the military since 1997, and the, the McLean's article that came out that year about McLean, about rape in the military. And even then I didn't see it. And so I have to look at my own inability to understand, um, like we describe culture as the water that we're swimming in and like fish don't even know that they're swimming in water. And I didn't know. And when the Deshaun report came out in 2015, like a lot of women also were like, what is she talking about? And so I get it. Like I get that it takes a long time to change the culture because first we have to become aware of what the culture is and what's wrong with it. So as disappointing as it is, and as much as we can go back and say, we should have known it's, it's so much more complex than that. And then once we do see it, um, there's still so many barriers to change. It's, it, you know, like we all know that we should like live a healthier lifestyle, or maybe we should quit smoking or drink more water or, or, floss our teeth but um but it's not easy to just make those changes and i think that's the same thing that has played out in the military um it's one thing to to know that we sort of should but how do we actually implement that into our lives what would you tell a young woman if they came to you today and expressed an interest in joining the forces i would just want her to um, have her eyes wide open and know what she was getting into, know her own value, um, know what her rights are. And um, and for men and women alike, just to understand um, what behavior is acceptable and not acceptable. Because I think we all hurt people accidentally and, um, and we get hurt without even knowing that we're being hurt. Like if, for me, it was part of the culture to be treated that way. And so we don't always we don't always have our eyes wide open on those things. But um, for young people to be able to stand in their own value and to have that that confidence and know that they deserve to be treated with dignity and what that feels like, that's what I would want for them. Both you and your husband gave a lot of your lives to the Canadian military. Uh, have you been able to reconcile all that happened? Do, do you do you have? Um, are you still proud to have served? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's what the institution is meant to be and what it represents, and then there's the people in it who are flawed and imperfect. And um, one thing that came out of the report today was about the military college system, and it's I think it's a great idea, and I love the idea of that particular institution, but the execution hasn't been there, and the you know, human beings being involved in it have made it imperfect. And so, I mean, we can always do better, but the institution, like, is, I still believe in the institution. So was to, as a last question, is, is today a good day for, for you and other survivors and for all the many that would look at a career in the military, but may have been put off by ideas that it's just not for them? 
I think today is a good day. It's not a day to let our guard down or to to say like everything is fixed now and wash our hands of it, but it is a day um, to to mark as um, as a milestone along this journey that we're all on together. Annalise, uh, Shamoon, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks, Ben.